Welcome to this exciting series on Proverbs, the voice of wisdom. The book of Proverbs has been read and treasured by millions of believers for hundreds of years. There is so much wisdom to be found in this amazing book. In this series, Pastor Tim Brooks and Paul Kern will be sharing concepts of wisdom that will equip you to share in this life of victory God has for you. Now, join Pastor Paul Kern for this message on Proverbs, the voice of wisdom. We're going to be talking about Proverbs and talking about wisdom and and what it means to have wisdom, because wisdom will help keep you out of trouble. Nobody likes trouble. I mean, it's just not fun, is it? It's just getting in trouble. Y'all remember getting in trouble, like by your parents or at school by a teacher or whatever? It's just, it's not fun. So it's, it's really important that we're going to learn uh, some keys on wisdom tonight. So let's pray, and uh, we'll get started. Father, we just submit this time to you. Lord, we thank you that your word directs us. It guides us and it leads us in the paths of righteousness and victory. Lord, as I communicate tonight, Lord, I ask that you'll touch people's hearts, guide us and give us direction for our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm excited we're in uh, this series on Proverbs, the voice of wisdom. And uh, Pastor Tim and I are really, really looking forward to all that we're going to be talking about. And I want to lay a little bit of groundwork. I know last week Tim kind of gave the introduction of what we're going to be talking about, but I want to lay a little bit of groundwork before I move into what I'm going to be talking about tonight. And, um, you know, I want to say that the Christian hope is more than just a redemptive system of principles. And we're going to be covering principles. We're going to be talking about practical application truths, wisdom, and principles in this series. But I want you to understand that, that the hope of every Christian is Jesus. Jesus is our Redeemer. He is the hope of our life. Now, we're going to be talking about Proverbs. We're going to be talking about truths. We're going to be talking about how to apply these truths to our lives and the blessings that these truths can bring to us. But as Tim and I share these concepts on wisdom that we're going to be talking about, I want you to know that hope is not in theological knowledge and hope is not in the experience of things that we learn. Our hope is in Jesus. Jesus is the hope of every believer. So what is this goal uh, of our study? Um, For you to be a better husband, a better wife, for you to have a better home life, maybe to have a, uh, be a better worker in your uh, business, maybe for you to have more well-mannered children, well-rounded children. I mean, Obviously, we can talk about a lot of things that we want to have in our life, be a better student, a better better godly man or woman. But, you know, ultimately, the goal of this study is so that we can become more like him. The principles that we're going to be talking about can free us from the bondage of sin. But the whole point of being freed from the bondage of sin is so that we can be transformed into the image of Jesus. And so tonight, we're going to be focusing on not necessarily truths of Proverbs, but we're going to be focusing on Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, here's a challenge that I want to give you. Ella mentioned about reading Proverbs and um, kind of maybe in your devotions in the mornings or in the evenings, depending if you're nocturnal or early morning, I don't know which one you are, Um, but in your reading, 
Every time that you see the word wisdom, I want you to replace it with the name Jesus. Because Jesus is where the source of all wisdom comes. So we're going to be learning about walking in wisdom. And you know, so many people suffer simply because they make bad decisions. Now, I know nobody in here has ever made a bad decision. We've all made great choices in life and, and certainly made a good one because you're here tonight, right? <clears throat> but we're going to be talking about that because a lot of people, just because of bad decisions, they really go through a lot of hard, difficult times. I know for myself, especially early starting out in my life, before I knew Christ, made lots and lots of bad choices. Even after I was born again, I, began, I, can, I still continue to make bad choices. And you know, we can repent and find forgiveness through Jesus, but we still may be walking out the consequences of wrong choices that we made years ago. I've been walking with the Lord for almost 30 years, but I'm still having to deal with consequences of choices that I made 25 years ago, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, before I knew the Lord. So what a great study that we're going to be embarking on because we all need wisdom and we all need to walk in wisdom. Now, if I were to ask you tonight, what is the number one thing that your mind does for you? The number one most important thing that your mind does. Could it be maybe decipher, make decisions, reason? Those are all good things that our mind does. But really the most important thing that your mind does every single day is to block out stimulus. Now, you know, think about it. As you go throughout your day, think of all the stimulus that's coming at you from every direction. You've got coworkers, you've got family, you've got friends, you've got social media, you've got commercials, you've got life, you've got all of this stimulus coming at you all the time. So the most important part that your brain plays every day is blocking out the overload of stimulus that you get because if your brain didn't have the ability to block out all of that stimulus, you would go crazy, right? So our brain plays that part of blocking things out so that we can focus on things that are important. But here's the problem. Through time and habit, we have learned to consider what we think is important and what we think is not important and what we need to block out. And I have found that sometimes I block things out that I shouldn't block out, like when my wife is talking to me. You know, men have that selective memory syndrome. Y'all know about that? You women know about that? It's amazing how there are certain things that we can remember, but birthdays, anniversaries, and important things that we were asked to do, like pick something up from Walmart on the way home, we just, we forget that. And so we, we, we learn at an early age how to block things out. But here's the problem. A lot of us learned how to block out a lot of things before we were born again, and they were things that we didn't need to block out. Actually, there were things that we needed to be hearing and things that we needed to be heeding and paying attention to, but instead, we block these things out. And probably one of the greatest tragedies in life is people can't hear the things that they really need to hear. How many of y'all have ever said to your children, you parents in here or not, have said to your children, do you hear me? And obviously, you're not talking about the sound waves coming into their ear. 
what you were talking about. Are you on my level? Are you making a connection with me? Are you hearing what I am saying? And so oftentimes God is trying to get through to us with a voice of wisdom, but we're not hearing the voice of wisdom that is speaking to us. As we look at the first nine chapters tonight, we're kind of getting into these first nine. And remember, this is not a verse by verse. This is more a concept-based teaching that we're going to be doing. But Solomon is going to present two women to us, two different women. The first is the woman of wisdom, and the second is the woman of folly. We're going to get to hear from both of these women. We're going to get to see both of their perspectives and the words that they are communicating because these two women are fighting for our attention every day, all day long. Every day as we go throughout our day, wisdom is speaking to us, but also folly is speaking to us. So in this lesson, we want to look at wisdom calling, and then later on in this lesson, we're going to look at folly, the woman folly and what she has to say. Wisdom calls out to us every day. Wisdom's always talking. Her voice is constantly speaking to us all the time. Everywhere that we go and everywhere that w- everything that we do, wisdom is calling out. And in this section, I want to identify three voices, three voices. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Voice number one is the voice of instruction. The voice of instruction. Voice number two, the voice of temptation. The voice of temptation. And voice number three, the voice of salvation. Go to Proverbs chapter one. And I want you to start with me on verse eight. Proverbs chapter one, verse eight. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace, and it will be a chain of honor around your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone. Let's, for fun, let's, let's ambush some innocent person. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to death. Think of the great things that we'll get. We'll fill our houses with the stuff that we take. Come, throw in your lot with us. We'll all share in the loot. Now here we see the voice of a godly father giving instruction to his son. He's talking to him. He's urging him. Son, listen to what I'm teaching you. Listen to my voice. Pay attention to the words that I'm trying to communicate to you. You know, the fact is parents are given the responsibility by God to train up our children in godly ways, right? If we, as a matter of fact, if we go and look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, I think it's verses 6 through 9, somewhere right in there. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear that the job of a parent is to train up their children in godly discipline. As a matter of fact, it says that we're to keep the word before our children all the time. It says in the morning, in the evening, as you go throughout the day, uh, you keep the word before them all the time. As a matter of fact, I had a friend, literally, his, his mother took that literally. And so when I would go to his house, 
there were scriptures all over the whole house. If you went to the bathroom, I mean, there was one on the toilet handle. I mean, there were scriptures all over the place, on the mirror, on the sink, on the walls. If you went in the kitchen, they were all over the refrigerator. If you opened the refrigerator, they were, I mean, they were literally everywhere. She took that literal keep God's word before them. Parents have that responsibility. And every godly parent has a desire for their children to listen to what they're teaching them, to hear the wisdom that they're trying to give them. I've been around lots of dads in our church. We got great dads in our church. And I've been around dads and I've watched our dads interact with our young men. And I've, I've watched them talking to their sons and talking to their daughters and telling them the wisdom that they're giving them for life and telling them the things that they need to do and warning them about temptations and being foolish. And, and so we see this instruction taking place. Now look at verse 15. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their past. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They're trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. We see the father urging his son, listen to instruction, avoid temptation. He's warning him, be careful about the path that you choose for your life. All you young people in here, this is, Proverbs is great. I mean, this is some great reading for you in your devotion time, whether in the morning or in the evening, because it gives so much instruction for you when you're starting out in life, when you're younger in life, and you know, you don't have a lot of life experience yet. Proverbs is speaking to you. Now look, now look what it's saying here. Be careful what path you choose. Don't do life with the wrong crowd. Now you, as you get older, you begin to figure this out. You begin to learn. And when you're younger, you, you, you don't really realize the importance of the connections with your friends and people that you have. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I remember growing up in, in school and, and, you know, especially when I was younger, I mean, I didn't really have a choice of who my friends were. My friends were who I was in first grade with. And the people that came to my birthday party were the ones that were in my class. And that's who I lived my life with. I didn't really have a choice about who I was going to pick. But as you begin to get older and you begin to mature, then you begin to realize I have decisions and choices to make about the people that I allow to come into my life. Psalms chapter one, verse one says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow in the advice of the wicked, stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness partner with wickedness? What harmony is there between Christ and the devil? See, the Bible makes it very clear. You've got to be careful who you do life with. I'll never forget this, this in my life, and I mean it. You know, I look back on it now, it's really funny, but at the time, it really wasn't funny at all. But I don't remember how old I was. I think I was probably like 13 or 14. And I had some friends at school that were dipping. Copenhagen and Skoll. And I just thought, that's cool. That's cool. I won't, I, you know, 
Margaret, I mean, lit, I mean, stuff sticking out and all poking out. I was like, I'm gonna be cool just like them. And so I went to my dad. I said, Dad, I want to dip. And my dad said, what for? I said, because it's cool. He said, all right, what do you want to dip? And I said, well, I'd like to dip Copenhagen, but it stinks. So I think I want Skoll. That sounds good. It's kind of got that wintergreen smell to it. I think that would probably taste really, really good. So my, my dad said, okay. And so we hopped in the truck. We went down to Kroger. And um, I got up there, you know, where they sold all the tobacco. And my dad was with me. And I said, uh, I want a can of that Skoll. And the lady looked at my dad. and said, yeah, that's fine. So she went to hand me the can. He goes, hold, hold on. He said, don't get a can. Get a whole roll. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's a chunk of change. You know, I don't know how many cans of Skoll were in there, but I thought, man, I got a lot of dipping that I'm about to do. So I got home and I cut that dude open and my dad cut, you know, he cut around the can, he opened the lid. Man, it smelled good. And I thought, I'm about to have me a dip. I'm about to be cool now. So I got me a little pinch. I said, my dad said, boy, that's not dipping. Get, go and get your big old plug of that. And I didn't realize that my dad was setting me up. I dipped off in it. I mean, I got me a big old thing in that now. I put it off in my lip. I went and I showed my mom. My mother, her eyes rolled. She was mad at me. She was mad at my dad. I had this big old dip in my mouth. I was walking around. Well, all my friends, when I watched them dipping, that tobacco was always packed in their lip. Well, mine was going all around in my mouth. It was all in my teeth, all in my tongue. And I was spitting, trying to get it under control. Well, I was supposed to spend the night with my sister. My sister's 10 years older than me, and she was married, and she lived a few blocks on the other side of, of town, and, and she always would have me over. And so I already had my clothes packed. I had my dip. I had my, my can in my back pocket, right? Because I want to get that circle, that, that faded out circle. That's cool now, I'm telling you. So, man, I embark, and I'm on my way to my sister's house. And there's this really big hill. You know, when you cross the main road to go to my sister's house, and it's probably a couple hundred feet away, but there's this really large hill that you have to go up. And so I start climbing this hill. As I'm going up this hill, this hill is starting to move. It's spinning around me. And I'm like, what's going on? And I'm, man, I'm spitting. And, and so I make it to the top of the hill, and, and everything's just kind of getting out of control now. It's, just, it's not good in my mouth. It's starting to water a lot. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm spitting a lot of tobacco. You know that and when you spit, it's supposed to be brown, right? Well, mine wasn't, mine wasn't brown because my mouth was watering so much. And I started to feel kind of weird. And so when I finally made it to the front door of my sister's house and I opened the door. And, and, and when I came in, I, I, I mean, I was three shades of green. <laughs> it was bad. And my sister was on the phone talking, and she had a cake pan in her hand that she had just greased. And I think she got interrupted, and so 
she was on the phone, and so she was sitting there talking, and there's this cake pan. And when I come through the door, I mean, it's like right there. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to make it to the bathroom. And I saw that cake pan, and I'm thinking, this cake pan is my salvation. And my poor sister, I'm t- it projectile now, I'm telling you, it's like when I was a kid, it just went, whoa. It came out, it hit that pan, it splattered all over her. Telling you some lessons in life get learned the hard way. And to this day, I won't touch that stuff. Scares me half to death because I still have a vivid memory of many years ago turning three shades of green, a hill spinning around my head, and me tossing my cookies. <clears throat> now, my dad obviously found out all about this, and he said, so was that a really wise thing that you did? And I was like, no, sir, I really don't think it was. I was tempted my friends and what they were doing. I was tempted. But Proverbs 117, look what it says. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. I set an ambush for myself. So you don't play with temptation because it always, 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 always leads to a trap. It's a trap. And he says, the birds don't take the bait when they can clearly see that a trap has been set. They're just not going to go in there. And I think too many people sacrifice the permanent for an immediate thrill. And that's exactly what I did. And I think a lot of us have learned the lesson. Hopefully we have all learn the lesson of not sacrificing the permanent for an immediate thrill. Young people, don't sacrifice the permanent things of God for some cheap, immediate thrill that doesn't last very long. The second voice that I want to talk about is the voice of temptation. Starting with verse 11, they say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone. Just for fun, we'll, we'll ambush some innocent person. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit. Just think of all the great things that we're going to get. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff that we take. Come throw in your lot with us, and we'll all share in the loot. The voice of temptation is always an alluring voice. It's a voice that sounds sweet. It's a voice that pulls us, it draws us, it offers things that always sound good, things that always sound so enticing, but ultimately it leads to a brownie pan full of vomit. I mean, ultimately it leads to death. See, when you go down that path, you will always forsake the eternal treasures for cheap, temporary moment of a thrill. We've probably all done it in here tonight. Each one of us can look at a certain time in our life where we thought, 
what a bad decision that I made because I was tempted to do something that I shouldn't have done. I remember when my wife and I first got married. We were brand new in our married life. And, uh, you know, her car was really wore out because she drove it 100 miles per hour everywhere she went. It's like a blur. <clears throat> and anyway, it was wore out, and, and we had to get another car. And so we decided we're going to go look for a car, a used car. And, of course, we go to the dealership, and that alluring voice of temptation began to talk to us through that car dealer. Man, we saw this Nissan Maxima. It was the, my wife still remembers, it was the most beautiful car we had ever seen. And you know, that wasn't anything that we went there to do. That was not the plan. But the voice of temptation, now I know y'all have never done that, but the voice of temptation got us. By the time we left there, not only did we get that car, but we had a moonroof installed in the car that the car didn't even have. <laughs> and I'm telling you, the first couple of months of driving that car was so much fun. The new car smell, the new car, it was so nice. But about that third payment, man, that thing started to hurt really, really bad. And it wasn't nearly as fun as it was when it was sitting in the parking lot and somebody else was making the payments on that car. It always sounds good. It always sounds enticing. The Bible says it's foolish to think that the path of temptation will make you happy. We thought that it would. We found out that it couldn't. See, when you go down the path of temptation, you'll always forsake eternal things for temporary things. And, I, and I, I know I've said that several times, but I want to continue to emphasize that, especially to our younger people, because this is a lesson that's so important for you to learn, because lots of times what you'll do is you'll allow temptation to cause you to make bad financial choices. You'll allow temptation to cause you to make bad relationship choices. You'll allow temptation to cause you to make bad entertainment choices because it lures you in. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 14. Wisdom is more profitable than silver. Her wages are better than gold. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down a delightful path. All her ways are satisfying. You know, temptation is like an iced covered slope. I don't know if y'all have ever watched America's Funniest Videos, but I, I love watching those reruns. I have so much fun because I just, I like laughing and kind of escaping life for a little while. But, but I love those ones where they get a lot of, like an ice storm or they get snowed in. Have y'all ever seen like the dogs that come out the front door and they hit the driveway and all of a sudden, there they go, woo! Or, or some kids that are out in it. And, you know, they're trying to walk back up, but they can't because they can't get their footing, they're constantly sliding and slipping. And that's exactly what temptation is like. And here's the thing, where do you stop with temptation? You know, once you open the door to temptation, 
I don't know if y'all ever played this game. Did y'all ever play chase around, around your house when you were a kid with your siblings? You know, you played chase and your mom and dad are yelling at you and telling you quit slamming doors. Because you, the, the goal was, is if you could make it to the room without getting tagged, you slam the door and you put your foot in front of the door or lock the door and they can't get in, right? But here's the thing. If you're a good player of the game of chase, you learn to lunge your foot out as quick as you can and wedge it between the door and the frame of the door. So now you've got a space about this wide. They cannot close the door because your foot is there. And now you got them. I mean, once you get your foot in that, you've got them. It's all over. Compromise is the same way. Once you open that door just this much, it's got you. It'll get you. You've got to watch the voice of temptation. Wisdom will guide you into blessings, but temptation, it'll guide you into bondage and struggle and difficulty. The third voice, the voice of salvation. Everybody look with me at verse 20 in chapter 1. Wisdom shouts out in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish? Look at this, relish your mocking. How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and I will make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you would pay no attention. You ignored my advice. You rejected my correction that I offered. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster engulfs you like a cyclone. And anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice. They paid no attention to me when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency, but all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm." Wow, the voice of salvation. Wisdom is always calling out every day, all the time to anybody who will listen to what she is saying. Now, wisdom is calling out here to three different kinds of sinners. It lists three different sinners that wisdom is calling out to. Number one, simpletons. Simpletons are, are gullible people, right? They're naive people. They, they get sucked into things really easily. They're, they're, they're very gullible. They, they don't really pay attention. They don't walk in a lot of wisdom, so they're easily taken advantage of. The second sinner that wisdom is calling out to is mockers. Now, now mockers, you know, they, they laugh at everything that's right. They make fun of people who are doing right. 
They, they try to belittle you. They go, oh, yeah, you know, you're, who are you, the Holy Spirit? You're, you know, you, are you the righteous one? Are you? And they, they mock anything that's good or anything that's right. They put that down and they make fun of it. And you've got to be careful of people like that. People are always kind of over in the corner, you know, cutting people down, cutting leadership down, having some derogatory remark to make about any, the boss or the co-workers or whatever. These are what we call mockers. And the third type of sinner that he's speaking to is fools. Those who don't want wisdom. They don't care. They don't want to listen to anything that you have to say to them. They don't appreciate anything that you have to say to them because they are fools. They're being foolish. Now, I want you to look at verse 22 with me. Everybody go to verse 22. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? In other words, how long are you going to live in this condition? So wisdom is saying, look, you don't have to live where you are. You can grow. You can mature. You can change. You don't have to continue to live in the position that you are in. Look at verse 23. Come listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you, and I will make you wise. See, wisdom is saying, look, turn, repent. Stop what you're doing. Make the changes that you need to make. And, 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 and here's the thing, church. You know, we've got to learn to do that. We can't just be so simple-minded. We just keep doing the same wrong things over and over and over. You know, if, if the way you talk to your wife upsets her, then stop talking to her like that. If, if your husband doesn't like you treating him that way, then you need to stop treating him that way. You know, you, if, if you are going to talk to your friends that way and they don't like it, then you're not going to have friends for very long. You know, we've got to learn. We can't just be naive and gullible and be simple-minded. See, salvation is for people who listen. Salvation are for people who obey the voice of wisdom as it calls out. I'm so grateful at 23 when wisdom called me. When salvation called me, I'm so glad I listened. I'm glad I didn't keep doing what I was doing. How many UTC guys, when salvation called you, aren't you glad you listened? Aren't you glad you heard? Because the fact is, probably a lot of you guys, you wouldn't even be alive today had you not listened to the voice of salvation. And I, I understand that position because I wouldn't be alive today either had I not listened to the voice of salvation calling out to me. See, we've all heard wisdom calling. We see safety. We see salvation. We see these things. Now I want to, to look at wisdom's call to wealth. Wisdom's call to wealth. Everybody go to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear understanding as he raises his voice on the hilltops along the road. She takes her stand at the crossroads by the gates at the entrance of the town. In the road leading, she cries out aloud, I call to all of you. So here she's calling out, right? She's calling out. She's calling out of, of wisdom and speaking. Now, now watch this here. Everybody go down to verse 22. The Lord formed me from the beginning. Before he created anything else, I was appointed at ages past. At the very first, before the earth began, I was born before the oceans were created, before the springs bubbled forth, before the mountains were formed, before the hills, I was born. 
before he made the earth and the fields and the first handfuls of soil. I was there when he established the heavens and when he drew out the horizon. See, wisdom was there with God from the very beginning. The very beginning, from the very foundations of the world. Now, I want you to look here. Go back to verse 6. So we're going to look at wisdom calling us into true wealth. Listen to me. I have important things to tell you. Everything that I say is right because I speak the truth. Now, church, I want you to know you can trust what God tells you. You can trust wisdom. When wisdom speaks to you, you can trust it. Now, you know, there's some sources you can't trust. I mean, there's a lot of things on the news today I don't trust. There's a lot of things I read on Facebook I don't trust. There are certain people who talk to me and tell me things I don't trust. But let me tell you who I do trust. I trust wisdom. I trust what God speaks to my heart from his word. See, wisdom is saying her words are truthful. Her words are righteous. Her words are noble. Her words are excellent. Well, those are the kinds of words that we need to be paying attention to. You know, it seems to me that we pay a whole lot more attention to some things that we really don't need to be paying attention to. We need to be paying attention to things that are noble and excellent and truthful and godly, and that's wisdom. The second thing that I want you to see is wisdom is true wealth. This passage talks about enrichment. Enrichment. This whole chapter talks about enrichment. Look at verse 18. I have riches and honor, as well as enduring wealth and justice. But it's not talking about money. It's not talking about material wealth. Watch this. Verse 19, my gifts are better than money, are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages are better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness and paths of justice, and those who love me inherit wealth, and I will fill their treasuries. Wisdom is better than perishable wealth. The Bible makes it very clear. It'd be way better for you to have wealth in wisdom than it would you to have wealth in material things. The gifts of wisdom are prudence, knowledge, discernment. These are things that bless us every day as we do transactions with people in the world and people within the church. They what are move, the things that move us forward. Here's what you got to understand. What wisdom offers can't be purchased. You can't buy it with money. Now, we can go buy a car with money. We can buy a mobile phone with money. We can buy things with money, but you can't buy what wisdom has to offer. Verse 6, hear what wisdom speaks. Verse 10, take her instruction. Verse 17, love wisdom. This right here is what will bring wealth to your life. See, see how wisdom works? Look at verse 22. Let's just follow along here. Verse 22. The Lord formed me from the beginning before he created anything else. I was appointed in ages past, the very first before the earth began. Born before the oceans were created, before the springs bubbled forth their waters, before the mountains were formed, before the hills I was born. See, wisdom is saying before all of these things, I was here. In all of the splendor, in all of the glory, in all of the beauty, 
You know, we all love watching the sun rise and the sun set. We all love looking at a, a mountain view of, of the Rocky Mountains, or we all love looking at a view of the oceans. I mean, we take vacations at the oceans just so we can sit there and watch the waves come back and forth and the sun dive off behind the waves in the horizon. We love the, the beauty and the, and the splendor that is seen from God's creation. Well, guess who made all that happen? Wisdom. Who is wisdom? Jesus. Jesus is God's wisdom. The Bible says that she was there at the foundation of the world. She was with God. And guess what? She's with us now. See, because Jesus comes into our heart, we have wisdom with us everywhere we go. As we make transactions with people, as we make decisions about our future, as we pray, as we study, as we interact with friends and family and people throughout the day, wisdom is always with us. Wisdom is always calling out to us. As I close this second lesson, I want to encourage you to daily listen to the voice of wisdom. Wisdom's always talking all the time. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't click on that. Don't watch that. Give this person a call. Reach out to them. Pray for them. Make this investment. Stay away from that investment. <clears throat> get involved in this. Don't get involved in that. Wisdom is always speaking to us, always talking to us all throughout the day. And I want to encourage you, as you go throughout your week this week, listen. Listen to the voice of wisdom. The Holy Spirit will communicate to you and he will guide and direct you in everything that you do so that he can bring you into that place of blessing and victory that he intended us to walk in. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand with me tonight. Yeah, go ahead and give God a hand clap. Here, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We just ask God that you go before us this week and God help us to be people that are wise. Holy Spirit, remind us to read Proverbs each day. Help us to grow and to be conformed into the image of your son, Jesus. Amen. Welcome to this exciting series on Proverbs, the voice of wisdom. The book of Proverbs has been read and treasured by millions of believers for hundreds of years. There is so much wisdom to be found in this amazing book. In this series, Pastor Tim Brooks and Paul Kern will be sharing concepts of wisdom that will equip you to share in this life of victory God has for you. Now, join Pastor Paul Kern for this message on Proverbs, the voice of wisdom.